What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the podcast with the best advice. This is In Their 20s with your host, Landon Campbell. It's been a while since we've recorded an episode of this podcast. Five months has gone by, to be exact, which is crazy, crazy to say out loud, because time really does fly. But look, I've been busy. I'm at Drive Capital, where we just announced our $80 million seed effort for early stage founders. Just want to say thank you so much to the city, the local community, founders, investors here for the kind words. Big things are coming, and I'm really excited to continue building this in Chicago. So with that being said, if you are a founder in Chicago, the Midwest, that's working on something very special, please hit my line, Landon at drivecapital.com. I'd love to learn more. Everybody knows how enthusiastic I am about the Chicagoland tech and startup ecosystem. I'm really bullish on the future of Chicago. I live here, I invest here, and I want more startups, more founders to build massive companies here. So for this episode of In Their 20s, episode 113, I thought it'd be cool for you to learn about my perspective on the past, present, and future of Chicago tech, but also the perspective of someone who's done so much for this ecosystem, Fred Hotch, the founder and general partner of Chicago's Tech Nexus Venture Collaborative. We covered some very exciting topics in today's episode. Fred shared his personal playbook on how to network better in your 20s. He walked us through the birth of SaaS software as a service that he was heavily involved in and also compared it to what we're seeing today within generative AI. Fred and I also have something super cool in common. We're both from California, but we're now Chicagoans. So we spoke about not only how we can keep Chicago founders here, but also why other founders and other ecosystems should consider Chicago as the place to be. Let's jump in with Fred Hotch to hear his best advice for people in their 20s. question for you just with moving from california like are you used to the weather here yet well or? you know i lived um i, I lived in washington dc for a decade before i came here so um sort of my history is california born and raised went to ucla uh, uh and so I, I was until i was 21 uh, sort of a you know flu- fluent in dude right yeah uh, i didn't really go anywhere else so i i knew that well then i lived in europe for two years or around the world for two years and then dc for a decade which isn't as cold as here, but now after 17 years in Chicago, I've sort of uh, I've become tolerant, and you know I've got more layers than I did when I was 30. So of course, it keeps me warmer. I think my second winter here was the uh, polar vortex. Okay. Negative yeah. 30. So yeah. uh, you know that woke me up. And uh, do you know Chris Deutsch from Lofty? Ventures? Yeah, I, I, we don't know each other well, but we know each other sure. Um, we were talking about like my first two years here and uh, dealing with the winter, and he gave some good advice. He said. Uh, and it's advice that he shares with Chicago founders. If you can survive a winter here, you can survive anything. So, <laughs> Well, you know, it's kind of the in thing now, right? If you think about people that jump into the ice baths every yep. morning, it's sort of you can just in Chicago, you yeah. don't need the bath. You just walk, you just outside, walk outside in the winter and yeah. you got it. Exactly. Carry around a little water bottle. Maybe run naked or something. There, exactly. You all set. See some people do some crazy stuff when it like snows here, uh, jumping around and swim, swimming trunks in the snow. So, yeah, probably will never do that. But uh, you never know at this point. You never know. Yeah. Life is long. Well, Fred, I've known about you for a long time. Really excited again to have an opportunity to speak with you today on the podcast. Um, wanted to give some context of like uh, what I've been doing in the podcasting space um, in my show. So we're going to be uh, posting this on our, our feed for In Their 20s. It's a podcast where I interview successful people about what they did in their 20s, how okay. they got to where they are today. I started this at the beginning of the pandemic because 
I mean, you probably see it. People are always curious about what you're doing today and how you became successful. But I'd love to find opportunities to bring it back to maybe, you know, before you had your shit figured out and when you were trying to, um, you know, get into the space and um, when you were on the come up. Um, so, oh, you know, you're joining a great list of guests like Steve Wozniak came on, Ev Williams from Twitter, which is very relevant these days, mm -hmm. mayor of Miami. And now I'm um, just really honored to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much. It's my honor to be here, and, I, and I'm really glad to uh, be a part of it. I was, no, I'm not sure I live up to those people, but you uh, do. In, in my uh, book, you do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate the kind <laughs> words, but we'll, uh, I'll give my best in terms of uh, perspective. Totally. Um, so I love to start with uh, daily routines that people developed in their 20s, but I want to add a little caveat. What's a daily routine that you started in your 20s that you still use today every single day? <laughs> or at least uh, aim to. Yeah, I think there's an aim to. I think my daily routine that would aim to is a work-related thing, which is to sort of always to, to scope out the day, scope out the next 24, 36 hours mm -hmm. at the start of every day, right? So uh, I wish I could say that it's my 20s I learned to meditate, which I do now, or I, or I had a strong workout routine. I probably had a stronger one than I did today. But if I say one thing that I've always kept is start the day by looking at the big picture, looking at what the goals were that I have sort of not just today, but sort of a year or two years ahead, and then, and then bringing it back to, okay, what do I want to accomplish in this specific day and making sure that, I, that those are prioritized. Now, can you always get them done? No, but you can, that's the way I look at it. I love that. And, that. and that also true not just for work, but for, for my life. So if I look at a Saturday morning, I say, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to spend? What do my kids need? What does my wife need? What does my family need? Uh, and what am I going to try and do as part of that to make sure that we're meeting our long-term goals? And objectives. Yeah, that's wonderful. It seems very impersonal, but it's not meant to be. It's meant to be sort of. You just want to stay on your A game. I don't think there's anything wrong right. with that. Um, I actually do the same thing. Before I start any day, I'm really curious about, okay, like, what are my plans for the day? And um, you're able to cross those out throughout the day. And I love your point also. Like, you're not going to always accomplish every single thing for that's that right. day. There's nothing wrong with that, but you at least should know what you didn't get to. Especially in an entrepreneurial environment. It's, it's, you, the, the distractions are, few, are, are, are significant and and they come at you quick, and many days will come out too fast. Totally. Quick follow-up question for that. Um, I love to you know explore this as well. Have you found like a balance? Because I haven't, and I know our listeners um, are looking for this still while they're young. You know where you are at in your career right now. Have you been able to find a work-life balance, or is it more like a work-life harmony to you? Sometimes <coughs> you just gotta turn things off and turn them on. I don't think I've heard that before. Work-life harmony. Um, no, I think balance is. I think. Too often, work-life balance has a, has a singular mentality. Um, I think that everyone's balance is different. I think that I've found a good rhythm, maybe, mm -hmm. that I'm comfortable with. Uh, but a balance that sort of says, I'm working this many hours, I'm living this many things, doing things, I think that's all BS. Right? Yeah. I think it's a question of finding what makes you happy, what makes you, what makes you rhythm. I personally, and it's something that we can talk about from, from the 20s, I don't know how not to work. 10, 12 hours a day, right? Uh, I probably don't do it as, I, I, now that I'm older, I can't do it as consistently. I can't do 12 hours straight. I have to do sort of six, take a break and do six sure. or whatever the case is. But that's, to me, that's balance, right? It's balance that. And did I spend time with my kids? That's balance. Um, those are things that I find important. And so it's finding that rhythm that you're comfortable with to the point at the end of the day, you go, okay, I'm exhausted, right? If I don't end the day exhausted, then I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And clearly this wasn't something that, you know, a new behavior you just started. Um, I bet you were born with it in the same way. I mean, you know, I've always really found passion in working hard, but 
I'm going to guess that you were probably doing different things when you were in your 20s. So what were you passionate about when you were younger? Like, what yeah. were you willing to put 12 hours a day it's towards? It's interesting. I, you know, I don't know. I, maybe it was born that way. And if sort of I look back at my parents and what they did, my parents are scientists and, uh, uh, and worked six days a week. And so, but I was really lazy in my teens. Like, I just was not motivated at all mm. uh, to do much. I mean, I did fine in school and, uh, you know, I hung out at the beach and, partied and did what I needed to do. I don't, I don't know that I had any grand plan. Mm-hmm. Um, back to sort of spending, as I said, I grew up in California, grew up on the beach. And after college, I spent two years traveling the world full time. Um, went to Europe, lived in, you know, visited 30, 50, 38 countries or something and spent a lot of time in South America. Um, and I learned through that process a lot about myself, right? And so it's something that I encourage everyone to do in their 20s if they can. Now, I was very fortunate I was able to do it for almost two years full time. Uh, not everyone has that, can afford that, and it was a sort of random set of circumstances that allowed me to do that. Um, but it taught me sort of who I was and what I wanted to be. And it wasn't until then, it wasn't until then that I went to grad school that I started to get the hustle that I think became very relevant in my 20s and grew throughout my 20s. Uh, and so um, what motivated me in those days was uh, just trying to figure out who I was, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, and I had lots of interests. Uh, at one point, I was, I was working at the State Department uh, in the Western European office as a, as a presidential intern, and I spent you know, over huh. 40, 50 hours a week uh, doing State Department stuff. Uh, I wanted to be a foreign service officer. Um, I you know, explored lots of different technology things uh, over the years. Um, but I think that all around that sort of hustle came from looking at lots of different things and then figuring out what I liked the most and putting most of my energy into that. But it didn't come until I was in my 20s, actually. I, I th- and, and that was due to just circumstances, I think, or, or not being ignited, if you will. Yeah, but you recommend more 20-somethings, and I love this advice. Get out, travel if you are able to, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if I look at the 20s and, and, and sort of what are the, tw- what are the things that I learned in, my t- in the 20s, right? One is get out, travel, look at different perspectives, yep. right? Not just hey, I'm in the tech industry or I'm in the VC industry or I'm in the logistics industry. But look at the perspectives there, but also look at the things that are tangentially related mm-hmm. or aren't even related at all to give you perspective on things. Absolutely, if you can travel, take the opportunity, do it as much as possible, different cultures. It's different now, right? It's, it's sort of funny because I joke that um, I am old enough that there was no email just started, right? There was no cell phone, so I was gone. I disappeared, right? Yeah. It's hard to do that M-I-A. now. It's hard <laughs> to do that right now. I had to learn if I was in Germany. I had to be able to read the German paper. I had to figure it out. Right? Or if I was in um, Croatia, I had to figure out what to do in those times. So it's not, there's a lot more opportunity now to get things in English. Yeah. That's important. I think figure out what your passions are, right? Um, figure out and do that by networking strongly right so I believe that one of the things that was great in my 20s was networking uh, I was very good at it I, I learned to do it well I became student body president and uh, in the grad school and I and I just spent a lot of time meeting lots of people in different perspectives much as I had done globally I did that when I was in Washington DC reaching out to people in the White House or in in the technology industry or in the food industry all these things sort of got me a perspective going uh, or something I, I did in my 20s I think is important uh, and then building those 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 characteristics around hustle that are important if you're going to be an entrepreneur or if you're going to be successful mm-hmm. I don't believe that there's any there's any substitute for hard work just isn't there's it's no shortcuts right you yeah. have to go hard and it's not just time it's time and intensity which is why it's so important to back to your other point map out what you're doing in a day because you got a lot of people that just hustle hustle but like 
Now, are they growing? Are they learning? Are they meeting new people? So sometimes it's not productive to just right. work, work, work. You got to be intentional with what you do. You got to be intentional with what you do. But you also have to sort of, uh, and it's something I don't think I learned till later, was to say no to yeah. certain things, right? Be intentional, but be open to things that are new and different, like because you want to have those experiences. Like if I just hung out with the same six people in my, or five people, whatever number is, in, in the 20s, it would have been boring. But I also had to be, uh, which I didn't realize till later, you have to be willing to say no. It's not a waste of my time or it doesn't fit into the overall program. But not say that all the time. Sure. Well, Fred, we have a lot in common. Uh, again, both from California. I was the vice president of my student body. And then also I do um, consider myself a really good networker as well. I want to dive into what networking means to yeah. you and what it meant to you growing up. Because I see a lot of people like, oh, I have you know 20,000 connections on LinkedIn. And that, that's not really what I view networking as. I think it's really the quality versus the quantity. So how can 20-somethings network more efficiently? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, first off, um, generally, I find, generally I'd say there's lots of people who want to take pictures. There's the networking is <laughs> taking pictures. Oh, I met so-and-so and I have a picture with them. Who cares, yeah. right? right? I, I don't, if you, you're not in my office, but if you are, there's no pictures of me and Barack Obama or, or, uh, or Steve Jobs. I've met all these people over the years. I don't care, right? Sure. It doesn't matter. I think what's important in networking is, is getting to the heart of who those people are, right? So I always, people laugh and if you meet me in a bar or meet somewhere, I'll say, what's your story? And people, it turns people off. They kind of freak out. Like, what do you mean? What's my story? I'm, and I'm like, so networking is important to meet a to when you're talking to someone, get to know them, and and share with and share what you're doing also with them. So to get to a real sort of understanding of who that person is, mm-hmm. you and I just met. We found the commonalities in California. Okay, what are the other things that are important to you going forward? The other thing is to once again speak. Go beyond what you think is is important to you. You, I could say, okay, I only, I'm now, if you put me now in the classification of a VC, if you will, I, I think I'm more than that, but let's <laughs> assume I am. If I only talk to other VCs or other entrep- old entrepreneurs, it'd be a pretty boring set of conversation. It'd be the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But the network that comes from a variety of perspectives is one that I think reaps, has tremendous benefits for anyone who's growing and learning about industry and learning about themselves and learning about where they want to go in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. Yeah, really great skills there. Um, you know, be willing to share who you are and what you're looking for as well. Um, but a big key to networking as well is to always find unique ways to provide value to another person. And you do that by really, you know, trying to have a human conversation, not, not always have it be super transactional. Um, so I, I think the more you speak with someone, the more you understand about what they need, what their challenges are, what they're looking for, you might be able to connect the dots. Yeah, I think that's, interesting. that's an interesting point and, and certainly something I live by, although I don't believe it has to be immediate, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I, if, if you said, Fred, what do you think your best skill is? It's the fact that I have a tremendous memory and I always have, and right? So to me, networking has always been a meeting you, meeting someone today, and be able to, co- and then meeting someone else a month from now and be able to connect the dots mm-hmm. later in that. I think too often people, I'm going to push back in a little bit and say too often people say, well, I network with you and I've got to find the immediate reason that we're going to do something and I'm going to do something for you so we become best friends, right? Or whatever it is we yeah, become. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's always true. I think it's always keeping in mind, uh, listen, I took notes of everyone I met over the times because when I could remember, I wanted to know and then I found ways over time to connect those people. And so it's having that larger perspective that's important uh, is, 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 I think is what is key to networking. Yeah, no, really love that advice. Um, so you have a lot of young people as well. They're trying to network with new people, meet new people. Um, and I speak a lot about like the art of uh, you know reaching out cold or connecting to someone that you don't know uh, through a DM, through an email. 
I know me personally, like, you know, I tend not to read, you know, long, cold messages. Um, I think that you need to really be intentional. It starts at the subject line. But for the people who have reached out to you, the young people looking to learn about, you know, what you do, connect with you, um, what are some, what's some advice uh, when it comes to reaching out cold? Reaching out cold, I mean, just be honest with what you're trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. So people that I react to are, are not the people that try and find some clever way, like, you know, send me a picture of a, uh, I got one recently of a, of a squirrel screaming, right? I'm like, that, I'm not going to respond to that. But somebody comes to me and says, listen, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want to do. Can you give me some advice and counsel? Can you spend 15 minutes with me? Uh, I'm happy to do that, right? And so I, I generally will take any meeting that, that comes that way, right? Um, it doesn't always have to be warm, right? Certainly, if, if you send me an introduction, I'm absolutely going to take it because you. you and I <laughs> built. A, we're going to build a relationship, and so we've got to do that. But cold sure. is fine. Just be honest and open, and, and be respectful of time, right? Yes. we're all busy, right? I'm trust me. You 15 minutes with me, I'm sure we can get we can find value, and if and it goes somewhere, it'll go to the next 15 minutes. But don't expect, hey, I need an hour of your time right now. Yeah. So um, I want to pivot and start to dive into the Chicago ecosystem. Yeah. So let's start with what got you here originally. Mm -hmm. um, and when you started to pursue um, you know, <coughs> startups, venture, entrepreneurship in general. Yeah, that's funny. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> what brought me here was my wife. So okay. um, so so but it, it flows into that exact question you're answering. So so throughout the 90s, throughout my 20s, uh, throughout uh, my life, uh, I was always starting things, right? So um, after I went to grad school, I realized that I didn't really want to be in the foreign service. I didn't really want to be a foreign service officer. It was just too mundane and too, too rote, right? Uh, but I had always had a sort of entrepreneurial bend. Um, my parents remind me that I tried to I started a snake breeding business when I was 11. Well, I forgot the lemonade stand. That's right different. the lemonade stand. I, I had a snake, and I started breeding snakes and, and tried to sell them, and uh, at one point, uh, I was trying to—I was importing swatches in my teens from Europe. My father would go to Europe and bring me these swatches. I'm like, no one has me here. We got to get more. Get me more. Um, so there was always sort of this entrepreneurial bend that I had, even though I was very lazy in my teens. Um, and so throughout the time, I started a number of software companies. This is the early days of internet, sort of late '90s. Uh, I started a test company and a security company and a warranty company. My family and I started a biotech company together. Um, about, uh, well, they started, I just sort of clomped on and mm -hmm. did some stuff along the side because they were the one scientists and I was trying to pretend that I knew what I was talking about at 26, right, uh, around biotech. But we, we, we did okay. Um, and so at the time, what brought me to Chicago was I was I had another full-time job, which was an evangelist for the software industry. So mm -hmm. my job was uh, sort of as a turn of the century, uh, going out and pr uh, proselytizing on software as a service. So actually, we coined the phrase software as a service, our, our organization, SaaS. Wow. <laughs> uh, and uh, we went out and then and then I would go and sort of talk about it from a business perspective. So we would I'd go out to the Bay Area or we'd I'd go and get yelled at by Larry Ellison. I'd say, you know, here's what you need to talk about. And so we would talk about this thing that was coming that no one would talk about because you're too young, but it used to be you used to go to the store and get software in a box or you'd get this big, huge, you know, 17-disc set that you would install Oracle Database or Microsoft Server in or whatever. Uh, that was the way you got software uh, in those days. So I spent time doing that. But I also had two companies. I had a warranty, comp warranty company that was trying to uh, rationalize the warranty business. Um, it was based in San Francisco, and I had this biotech company in, in San Diego. So basically, I was traveling this triangle of, of time, basically gone all the time. My second child was born, and my wife said, 
I know who you are. I know I can't stop you from being an entrepreneur. I don't want to stop you. I know you're going to work 12, 14, whatever it is, an hours a day, seven days a week, but I need help. So she said, we've got to move to Chicago where my family is, where I was, where she's from, which is where we are, obviously. And so we did. It's a great story. Yeah, and that's how I ended up in Chicago uh, in the middle of winter in 2005. <laughs> so, um, you know, you just mentioned that you're, the organization you're with at the time you know, really came up with this whole idea of yeah. SaaS. You were there in the early innings, you know, trying to spread the word of SaaS and talk to people about this new technological advancement that maybe a lot of people were scared at. Um, I'm spending a lot of time right now looking at generative tech, for example, mm -hmm. which we can talk about at the end of the interview. But my question is, like, when you have this new technology um, that a lot of people are fearful of it, um, that it's going to, you know, replace this and take this job, how yeah. are you navigating those conversations and going into those rooms, um, you know, and really proud to talk about the future? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the, the issue wasn't jobs. Well, I guess it was a bit of a jobs, and when we were talking about SaaS early on, it was more about sort of how you're going to pay for it, right? Because it, mm -hmm. it, it 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 dramatically at that point changed budgets. Where before you'd have these huge capital budgets to buy software, it went it went to this sort of variable budget, and so it would change things. But I think you have to show the benefit of uh, the example of the benefit, right? And so what we were successful at was one pounding it again and again and showing the benefit of that technology in specific cases. Uh, and so e even I look at generative AI and generative tech and say, I don't quite yet understand it completely, right? Uh, and I think I'm pretty well versed in what's going on in the technology industry. So the question is, if you're going out and pontificate on that, it's sort of how is this going to affect my life on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. and how does it bring cost efficiencies or time or time or benefit the company in a way that's that's beneficial. If you look at what's going on today with ChatGPT, you know everyone's talking about how it's going to get rid of essays, college essays, right? Or it's going to no, writing's no longer going to matter. Okay, that's going to freak some people out, right? Certainly going to freak out the academics. Sure. It's going to freak out people that do sales. <laughs> so we got to figure out what it says. Okay, it's more than that, yeah. right? It's that's sort of an example where there is some fear, but think about how does it also have benefits? And so you got to sell those benefits on a way that you don't have to before. Yep. And the benefits, I mean, if you break them down into first principles, people want to find ways to save time and save money, to your That's point. Right. So um, if you can, if you have this new advancement that is scaring a lot of people, you know, just, yeah, really get down, show the clear benefits and use cases of how it can save time and money. Yeah, and, and remember, listen, my business these days is about disruption. I, mean, I, I get my days helping corporations deal with through disruption through, mm -hmm. through venture engagement. But um, disruption is a scary thing, right? Everyone likes the status quo. They like how things work on a day-in, day-out basis, and they're not ready for that disruption. So you have to ease people into that and recognize that they're always going to have that fear. Even if it has time, money, even if it saves money, uh, they're going to be worried about disruption and what it means for them. So you just have to ease them into it and say, and help them uh, to evangelize, if you will, about yeah. how, what, what, how the future will be better because of this, but directly how they'll be better because of it. Yeah. Um, so you land in Chicago. Yeah. It's cold. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if, um, you know, where on the um, roadmap tech nexus is, if it's even an idea that you've thought of yet, but can you kind of discuss like what the tech ecosystem in Chicago was like when you came here? In, um, the, old, in the olden days? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. 40 so, years ago, um, no, I'm kidding. Um, like, talk to us about what it was like, and then yeah. I want to like really understand what's the problem that you recognize in the market that would lead to you to want to create TechNexus? Well, we created another organization called Illinois Technology Association first. But So I came in 2005, as I said. Um, Chicago was and has always been a technology community that was under the radar, right? It, the problems we're For talking sure. about today is nothing different than it was 
20 years ago or 17 years ago specifically in this case, the it's always been a series of companies that are addressing vertical markets and they're doing really well, logistics, financial services, marketing, whatever, but they're not they're not household names, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're not something my mother would know. They're not something that the average person on the street would know, but they're big companies, right? They're billion dollar companies in these areas. Chicago in 2005 had just come out of, um, uh, obviously, the dot-com boom, bust, yep. right? Uh, boom and bust. And what happened in Chicago, and this obviously I wasn't here, but uh, all of Chicago got behind one company, a company you may have heard of called uh, Divine Intervention. Intervention. Interven Divine, just call it Divine. Yeah. Um, and everybody put money into it. Like it was like the mayor stood up on Goose Island and he raised the hand of the founder and he's like, "This is our tech. <laughs> this is our tech messiah." And like everybody put money into this company. And so when I bust, it turned out to be sort of a, a house of cards. Um, everyone lost, right? So it was sort of this collective, like, "Oh sh shit, what are we gonna do?" Tech's dead because everyone put all their time and money into this company. So when I came in 2005 uh, and, and I started the Illinois Technology Association with my business partner, Tech Next, uh, business partner, Terry Howerton, still my business partner. So I don't know how. Uh, we love each other, but, you know, we've, we've been partners 17 years. That's awesome. Um, he is, uh, was sort of saying, okay, the, this thing has happened. There's lots of activity going on in these verticals. There's clearly a collective desire to work together. And let's find a way to do it. So I used my experiences on the national level, uh, being an evangelist, to bring the technology community through the, together through the ITA, the Illinois Technology Association. Trade associations typically are focused on sort of events and uh, policy. We did events. Uh, we didn't do policy on purpose. We very much focus on growing companies. And so early on, though, we realized when we were building this community that, that we, while we were building a club, we didn't have a clubhouse. So we started the first iteration of TechNexus, the physical embodiment of TechNexus, and TechNexus is multifaceted now, but in early 2007, uh, long for 1871, long for anything, um, and it was m simply meant to be a place for people, a common watering hole, right? If you went to the valley, there used to be a restaurant called Bucks where people went, or there's certain restaurants on University Avenue in Palo Alto where, where the industry would convene or you could walk in and make sure you saw somebody you knew. That's all we were trying to create was a place where you could walk in and go, hey, I don't know you or you, or mm -hmm. let's talk or let's find something to do. And it worked well. We were within 30 days of opening it. It was a full place all the time. And it evolved into a place where people put their offices and all those sort of things happened on the side. I, 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 it was almost an accidental incubator, an accidental co-working space before there was co-working. Um, and so that's what we started TechNexus as. Um, and has the physical space, which is now called Team Working by TechNexus, has continued throughout that period of always being true to the idea of it's not meant to be how do I you know, give you so much money and how do I take control of you or how do I get pull in the best companies. It was always about how does it be a clubhouse, how does it be a watering hole, how does because physicality is important in networking, mm -hmm. in building relationships, et cetera, and there wasn't that place when we started in 2007. Totally. I mean, you say it was accidental, but I think you were probably one of the only people who could have formed something like that because you were solving a need that didn't exist um, or the, a need that existed in Chicago at the time that no one was building towards. Um, and I, I see also like your unique combination of skills um, and experiences in your life, you know, would lead you to create this. So my next question is like whether or not you 
um, see yourself as a specialist or a generalist? And I want to kind of even give a little caveat here that I've been exploring this idea of a specialized generalist where, <laughs> you know, you take two to three skills that are really combined and combine them in a very unique way to build something off of that. Um, so in your case, and obviously I want you to, you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I see, you know, like your skills with networking, um, the specific communities that you were able to build, your experience in, um, you know, the early age of, um, you know, SaaS and Internet. What would you kind of, um, would you say you are a specialized general? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think, I think you're much more thoughtful in your age than I was at your age, right? <laughs> I, I don't think I was that thoughtful at the time. But um, if you'd asked me that question when I came to <coughs> Chicago, I knew software really well. I knew the software industry deeply. I still know it pretty well, but uh, from a standpoint of the business end of the software industry. Mm -hmm. I did coding in high school. I did a little bit. I was never a full-time coder. I was always sort of more on the business side when I got to it. So I would have said at that time that I was very much a specialist who was running the association or founding the association because it was a way to, to sort of bring community together and, and to build on, on what I believe to be the focus software and software and tech. Um, today, um, I think it's probably a, a good analogy, a specialist, general, generalist, specialist, what do you call it? Specialist, specialized generalist. generalist. You know, I, I, um, I've used the experiences of building ecosystems, of building yep. relationships, of building companies, of uh, investing. I've been an investor long before we started TechNexus investing. I was doing it personally. Um, as I talked about, my family started a company. We put a lot of money in ourselves. And, uh, and, I, and I remember as a teenager, my parents... Um, making decisions in the biotech space around investing and sort of being part of that discussion. Uh, and, and so I've been doing it a long time. Um, so I brought, and then bringing a sort of a California perspective, I think one of the things that makes yep. me do well in Chicago and probably you too Same. is <laughs> it's, you don't have the, the, uh, what I call the sort of the, 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 uh, the, the, well, I say it nicely. You know, Chicago times like people say, there's give a low ceiling at times. Well, there's a ceiling, and I can tell you stories about how you know I, my life is threatened by multiple people that you probably know over the years. Uh, but <laughs> but in that Chicago, that's sort of the Chica that's the, the traditional metal of Chicago. But I think Californians tend to be more straightforward. They yep. tend to be even as good or bad. Chicagoans tend not to, or Midwesterners tend to be. That's great, and even though they don't agree with you, and they won't say, they won't have that 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 conflict with you where I'm like let's have the discussion but totally if you think I'm a jerk let's talk about it if you think I'm wrong let's talk about it's an it openness. right let's have an openness that yeah. comes from me in a California a little bit more uh, a little more dude like in the word of dude plays well <laughs> um, so I think you're right I think it's all those things going forward um, I think probably though I'm going back more to a specialist than I was before I think <laughs> start a specialist generalized across this series of events even though a uh, series of fields even though they were all interrelated and then I'm going back more to a specialist says I want to focus on helping uh, startups grow themselves, ventures grow themselves with capital, but also with the experience I've had and the network I have in a more meaningful way. Totally. No, that's really great advice. Um, so, uh, you know, second to last question here. Um, I have just seen like a recent trend of a lot of uh, you know young people in the Chicagoland area getting involved in the ecosystem, you know, mm -hmm. looking for ways to rebuild it. Um, and, you know, continuing to help uh, Chicago grow. You know, I don't, I don't think we want to be like the next Silicon Valley. I think we need to be the only Chicago and like, you know, really like focus on what we do well. Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on what you think about that. Well, two things. One, as it relates to Chicago itself, I've said for a long time, uh, people always say we'll be the next Silicon Valley. That's the wrong yeah, way to, to, re totally. to, re to reflect on it. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, yes. right? 
Um, you're never going to be as good as Michael Jordan. You're always going to be inferior if you're trying to lead up to him. Um, so be Steph Curry, right? Be the next, sure. the, be, the, be, the, be the organization, be the community, be the, the city that is around the next iteration, what's, what's, what's right for today. And so we have to think about how we be the greatest tech city, not the greatest Silicon Valley out there going forward. Yes. My advice to people that are networking is, back to this question, is, is you gotta learn to say no, right? You could, and, and I'm as fault of anyone of this is, uh, in my 30s, is I could spend every single night of the, of the week out going to an event, getting free pizza, meeting some people. It, it hampers your ability to do your core job mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're spending that much time doing things. It's fun, it's certainly great. I'd love to go have a beer with you every night or with somebody else every night, but at some point, assuming you drink, I don't know, what if you don't, that's fine too. Um, <laughs> clearly I do. Uh, so, uh, uh, so you've gotta make those choices and be smart about it. Yep. Um, and so too often what I'm seeing in sort of people is networking f just because it's cool and mm -hmm. I'm like stop doing that just because cool it's fun once in a while but focus on that core job because that hustle is what's going to get you to where you need to get to totally yeah which is why going back to that crucial advice you gave at the beginning it's so important to time block yeah. like if you see on your calendar that all you're doing is networking and going right. to these engagements like are you really taking care of your day-to-day -day? um I, I think it's, it's an important element it's but especially hard when you have when you have t employees or team yes. members you look and go why are you spending so much time on those things? I mean, wh where are you hustling for me? Exactly. Or hustling yeah. for the company. So it's really important to be intentional with how you, um, you know, use your day. Um, so not only is this podcast for my audience, it's also for myself. Okay. So I'm going to use this time to get some advice from you as well. Um, as you know, I'm a drive capital. I'm building out our pre-seed fund yeah. here. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself a Chicagoan now. Um, you know, I'm really uh, representing the city. And even though, I, you know, I've only been here for six years, like, you know, I, I really want to see this ecosystem grow. Um, and I've been meeting with a lot of founders and, you know, trying to find the right fit for our portfolio. What, what advice would you give to myself, someone who's, um, you know, relatively new in the venture space, um, has this very exciting uh, position, a lot of responsibility, but also like very, um, you know, motivated to help grow this city? Well, two things. First off, as a personal level, please stay humble. Right? Yes. I think too often, and I don't, we don't know each other well enough for me to say that you're not, but I'm saying too often people in your position get... The, Fly too close to the sun. Fly too close to the sun quickly, and so stay humble and, and, and stay grounded and make sure you're doing that. Uh, I think from a from a Chicago perspective, I'm really glad to see that. I, I, as I said, I spent 15 years, or I have spent 17 years, running and being a cheerleader for Chicago. I'm glad there's more people coming up to do it. That's yeah. sort of the next generation, <laughs> if you will. Listen, I'm going to be here for a long time. My wife said we're not going anywhere, but sure. but but I'm also glad that it doesn't have to be me all the time, right? Or me and a few other people. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I think pick your battles, right? What what is it you want to be known for in building Chicago? Talk to those others that are doing it and saying, okay, where am I going to focus my attention? Where are you going to focus your attention? How do we collectively do that going forward? Uh, but also make sure that you're part of a larger mission. I think one of the things that's held Chicago back as a technology community. At times, in much of history, is Chicago is replete with all these little different fiefdoms that are out there. They're all doing small little things, right? They're all valuable, but they're all sort of by themselves somewhat not as strong as they could be if they were collective, right? Mm -hmm. So so what I would say to you is as you're doing whatever it is you think is important, how does it fit, how does that puzzle piece fit into the larger picture and how do those work together towards having more oomph, more strength, more growth, et cetera, as opposed to, well, I'm doing this thing and I don't want to talk to anyone else because I'm only focused here, right? Mm -hmm. So bring all those pieces together in a collective way uh, that can drive Chicago going forward. As it relates to Chicago 
externally, one of our problems in Chicago is we don't talk externally about Chicago as a single voice. So one of the things I would say to you as, a, as an upcoming leader, and I'm going to assume you are, right, and, and, and as others are, and uh, as your friend, I know many of your, some of your friends are, is you guys all need to be speaking, and I, as do I, need to be speaking from the same playbook. So when we go to New York, when we go to Singapore, when we go to San Francisco, when we go to Paris, whatever it is, we talk about the same things in yes. a way that gets that message out again and again. Right now, everyone talks about something different, so people go, well, I don't know, there's a lot here, lots of things about Chicago from different people. We as a community, need to, which we've never done well, is speak from that same playbook, row in the same direction. And I think we can do that and make a part of what, we're, what you're doing. We can be at a very strong pace going forward. That's really, really great advice. Um, I know it's the line that's oversaid, but I'll repeat it a lot because um, I love it. We go further together. Um, so I think that as a community, I totally agree. We need to find unique ways to work together, um, You know, find ways to help each other. Um, access to information is really important to me, so I'm, you know, always trying to be very public, which is why I created a medium like this yeah. and sharing my learnings and lessons. Um, you know, like I, I want more young people to get into the space as I have, so I try and share my playbook as often as I can. How are um, you doing that? Um, publicly. R- so really, is the podcast the way you think you're getting more people involved? Think the listeners are coming in and. Uh uh, and then you're attracting them to, to I'd, sort of be in the I'd industry. say that's an element of it. Um, I do host a lot of um, get-togethers in Chicago okay. as well. Um, and to your point, like, it's never just for investors. It's never just for founders. Um, you know, I try and bring creatives into it. I try and bring athletes. I try and bring, like, these different groups into the space. Um, and I know at times, you know, um, having a lack of structure can make it seem like, okay, like, you know, what am I going to get out of this? But you'd be surprised. Like, people naturally find ways to connect with each other and find That's ways right. to help each other. And then, of course, I do, like, the more exclusive things at times. Like, if it's, like, a generative AI event, like I just hosted um, last week. Um, but still, even with that, I mean, you know, because AI had such an interesting week last week with the chatbot coming out and that avatar app, um, a lot of people just wanted to learn about the space. And I wanted to use that as a time to educate um, and help people not fear um, you know, new technology. So we had a lot of people um, turn out for that. But uh, to your point, I yeah, hope like to get invited to something. In the future. I, I'm hoping you're going to start coming. Yeah, no, please. Um, we have better things than pizza, so no, we'll make sure to get you um, at those events. Well, you should be suffering a little bit. You are in your twenties. Can't live. You can't live in, you know, cocktails and, and champagne. Sure. Champagne and, yeah, yeah. Champagne and dream. <laughs> no, we do. Um, but no, it, it's very educational. Like I love my uh, fireside chats. We'll for sure have you on those. Um, once our new office opens, I want to do um, more stuff focused with Great. other leaders in Chicago. So we'd love to have you there. Happy to do it. Amazing. Fred, it was a pleasure. This was everything and more than I really wanted it to be. So thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Happy to talk anytime. And, and I really appreciate what you're doing for the community. And, and can please keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, Fred.